Welcome back to Shore Sports Talk, sponsored by Shoreline Wealth Management. I'm Vin Abenu, 94.3 The Point, here on Super Bowl Sunday. Eagles, Chiefs, and what will feel like just a few hours from now. Joining me here this morning is uh, former Lacey High School running back and Princeton running back, a member of the Giants and Colts back in the 90s as well, now currently serving as the Senior Direct NFL Director of NFL Player Engagement, Keith Elias. Uh, joining me from... From the road, here is uh, we get going on Super Bowl Sunday. Keith, uh, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me again this year. I think uh, you know it's it's great to connect with you again and, and talk a little talk a little shop, if you will. There we go. Hey, always always done talk football, even when it's the off season. I'm always happy That's to talk right. football. <laughs> so uh, first, let's let's dive a little bit into the matchup today. Uh, Chiefs Eagles. Two high-powered offenses. Chiefs, uh, the number one ranked offense going in. Although, uh, you know, I don't think it matters. Both are that good, and I think my prediction is could be end up being a shootout uh, with the kind of talent you got on both offenses there. So, uh, what are some things you're excited about with this game tonight? Yeah. Well, first of all, before we even get into the sort of the the analytics of it, I, I would say we have to pause for a moment just to say, you know, this is Mahomes' third Super Bowl appearance. Yeah. Right at what 27 years old. Um, unprecedented, incredible. Um, and so like really just uh, want to be able to say to that end, what an, you know, what an incredible accomplishment at such early in an age. Right. But when you think about the game, I, I think what happens is like we want to fall into these narratives where we tell stories that are about people, which is great. That's what people want to hear. Sure. And not about and not about matchups. Right. So like everybody's talking about quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. And because it's a good story, but. But the reality is, is that when you look at both teams and you compare them, you know, player for player, you've got a situation where the Eagles, in my opinion, have a very deep roster and a very balanced team and are strong at every position. So you'd say pound for pound, the Eagles have a have a better team, if you want to say it that way. Um, But and then there becomes the but, right? (laughs) The but is Mahomes, Kelsey some of the weapons on defense, they can put the quarterback on the ground. Those are essential elements. And so you say, well, the D-line here may be stronger from a depth perception, but this Chiefs D-line, they put people on the ground. Mm. They cost turnovers. So this game is going to be one on the who gets the extra possession. But I think, I'll say this, I think Jalen Hurts gets a little bit too much credit I think the Eagles overall, like Miles, that whole team, I mean, they are A.J. Brown. Man, they're they're really good. <laughs> and, you know, so it's not just a quarterback thing. It's going to mm. be a team thing. That's, sure. I guess, my point is to say this isn't a battle, a matchup of quarterbacks. It's a matchup of teams, right? So, and, and I don't know if you can pick it accurately. I think shootout may be a good – a good thing to say, but it's really going to be who gets the extra possession and who's who forces what defense forces the turnover. And I'll be looking at that down the stretch, that second half, you know, that fourth quarter, who gets the turnover in the fourth quarter? You know, I guess if things are going well offensively for both teams, I mean, to could be that last stand, like, okay, whose defense can is, has enough in them to make that last stand towards the end. I mean, Eagles are, have a good D um, including a uh, New Jersey native Hassan Reddick. Um, and then the Chiefs, they've had a lot of rookies on that defensive front, but they got good guys up front in uh, Clark and Jones who could, uh, you know, scare the daylights out of any offensive line. I mean, look what they did to uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. So, I mean, 
there could be a, and you know, you never know with Steve Spagnola with what he can call up in a big game uh, on defense and everything. So I think, yeah, defense could could be that uh, that well timed thing out in the fourth quarter with who makes that final stop. I, I, and that's what I'm saying. I like we focus so much on these quarterbacks. They're going to make their plays. They're athletic. Um, they 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 create. They're innovative. I think like, again, some right at this point, the Eagles may be a little bit more balanced on offense. But you but you can afford to be unbalanced if you're the Chiefs when you've got Mahomes and Kelsey, because Kelsey is they they have to almost use him like a running back. He's he's got to get ten targets, right? He's mm, got to be able to yeah. be that guy that gets open on those key third downs, right? And they have, both teams have to protect the quarterback. But since they run, that gets a little trickier. And that's why I'm saying the team, the defense that forces turnovers, the defense that puts that other quarterback on the ground, that's that's where it's going. That's what I'm looking for early and often. I, I wonder how often Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy line up Travis Kelsey out wide, sort of like a receiver. I know they did that a little bit in the championship game. To try and draw some attention elsewhere, they uh, Chiefs obviously have good receivers, you know, as well. And we'll, I guess, we'll see what the final health report is. Um, but all across the board, they have, Mahomes has a lot of weapons to throw to. But his favorite is, of course, Travis Kelsey. I wonder if they move him around and if that, how often that would even work? Because um, I think no matter where Travis Kelsey lines up, he's going to have a couple guys on him the whole game. Yeah, I mean. No doubt they're going to be innovative, but you also can't outsmart yourself. You can't mm. get to the place where you're putting your tight end in a situation to get out open, but you're leaving Reddick on a running back, right? So you have to account for that. Like, the Eagles' defensive line is the unsung hero here. They, 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 I think, I think if I'm not mistaken, it's funny that we're talking about sacks, but the Chiefs and the Eagles are number one and number two on sacks for the year. Okay. And so we go to quarterback, 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 quarterback. Well, I mean, it is true, but because you want to get the guy. But the second most important thing is the guy who puts that guy on his back, you know. And so it really it, – it, it's so cliche to say, but it really is going to come down to mistakes and turnovers. Do you think we, we – uh, should we expect any surprises, I guess, from either team? I mean, I guess the biggest surprise in the la- in recent memory, Super Bowl wise, was when the Saints went with an uh, onside kick to begin the second half mm-hmm. against the Colts. But I mean, we saw the Philly special a couple years ago, or a few years yeah. ago rather, with the Eagles. So, you expecting any kind of trick plays, surprises from either team? I think the the surprise that I wouldn't be surprised is if the Eagles on offense become a tad conservative. At some, I'll say conservative, but it's not really. Um, in terms of putting an emphasis on the run game, because if you're the Eagles, you don't just want to score. Mm. You want to keep the, the best way to beat Kansas City is to not let Mahomes play. OK, and so, you know, you want to dial up an extra run or two. Right. I mean, Miles is a Pro Bowl for a reason. Right. You yeah. want to have an extra running play. You want to be able to control that clock and then make sure you get those touchdowns. So. I would anticipate that unless they fall behind uh, and have to, you know, air, start to air it out, that they they strive to have a very balanced attack. You know, it's it's interesting talking about Mahomes here. I was wondering what he would end up looking like against Cincinnati with the high ankle sprain and something that could possibly yeah. take normally, you know, a month and a half to heal. And uh, he just looked a lot better than I thought he would dealing with that kind of injury. And he talking to Tracy Wolfson after the game, he said, you know, thank God for uh, healing my body here. I, I imagine there's still some pain and discomfort he's probably playing through. Um, 
But if he looks like he did against Cincinnati or a little bit better, do you think the Eagles are in trouble, or do you think that the game plan from the get-go for the Eagles' defense is, all right, let's go after Mahomes, let's try and make him uncomfortable? Yeah, I don't think the Eagles are in trouble. I just, I mean, they. the one thing I'll say, sometimes when a team, the Eagles won sort of effortlessly in the playoffs, right? They, they haven't been what mm. I call like punched in the mouth, right? Yeah. They haven't had their back against the wall. They haven't like had to fight the way other teams have. But that being said, they've got players on their team that have, you know, and Namakasu, like he, it's not his first rodeo. Right. Right. So it's, it's tough to call. Normally when I say when a team wins too easily, like look, the, the 49ers, and I think the NFL has to look at the rule about the third quarterback dressing. I think that in a quarterback league, you, it's just got to happen. You can't count them toward the roster spot. Like you got to have three quarterbacks and, because we, I mean, the fans got gypped, right? Like we got gypped because yeah. the 49ers were fighting with two hands tied behind their back. They had no shot at that game. Right. You know, so, so the Eagles haven't been tested in that way, right? In the playoffs. And, but we'll see how they responded. That's a good point. I mean, you see, certainly the, you know, the Giants thought they could certainly beat Minnesota, uh, but I didn't think they, could match up talent-wise with what Philadelphia had on the field that day. And, yeah, I mean, to your point against the Niners, I mean, I had a feeling that once Brock Purdy went down, I was like, that that's it. And, and it was no disrespect to Josh Johnson. He just hasn't played in that offense. Um, yeah. And you could tell Purdy just couldn't throw. Um, and, yeah. you know, I was like, all right, well, they could do the Wildcat with McCaffrey, but how long could that actually work? And they just couldn't get anything on the offense. And I think San Francisco's defense in that game just got worn out by the second half. They were just on the field all game. Yeah. Yep. And that was, I mean, I guess could we'll see early probably uh, with what Kansas yeah, City I mean, could like, do. You know, he's not an unsung hero here because uh, Howie Rossman won mm. the, um, you know, executive of the year for the NFL. And with good reason, like I said, this is a team that is well built in, yeah. every, in every position. Um, they're, they're sound. And they can play. They play the run well. They play the pass well. Like I said, I think they they were second in the league in sacks, right next to the Chiefs, right. So these are and and offensively, you know, you got. I mean, AJ Brown, what a pickup. Yeah, you know, that's an, it. Just opens up so much when you got a big, strong guy that can do so many things for you. So, man, and they're they're legit. Yeah. Yeah, I think in credit to Nick Sirianni too, year two, he, you know, last year was like, okay, they're good, but now they just became like this uh, beast out of the NFC, um, you know, coming over from the Colts. I know he's got an offensive mind. He's kind of uh, paid his dues, so to speak, in, in the coaching tree over the years. But how, how do you think he matches up against somebody like an Andy Reid, who's, you know, certainly an offensive genius, uh, years of success in Philadelphia, years of success in Kansas City, can figure out things in the big game. Not that one could possibly outsmart the other here, but how do you think the coaches match up against each other, you know, in a battle of wits? I think what Sirianni should do is not try to get into that thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think as a coach you try to match wits with Andy Reid. Let (laughs) Andy be Picasso, right? Let him do what he does and just focus on your game plan. And that's what I mean by – like to me, the surprise may be that they, you know, they they buckle down and play fundamental run the ball, right? They want to control the clock. 
that's 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 the game for them. So I don't think that uh, I think Sirianni just needs to be him, and he he brings a toughness to it, right? He brings uh, they're he's passionate, um, right? And he he bring he in the the team plays for him, and so just do what brought you to the dance. Who do you think could win the battle, the the red zone there? Do you think the Eagles have a, offensively, the Eagles offense just could do better with their ground and pound game against the Kansas City defense? Or do you think that Kansas City's offense on the other side of the field is good enough against the Philadelphia defense inside the red zone? I think, they, I think that the Eagles may have a little bit of an edge here because of that stronger run game that, that – you kind of need down there near the goal line to be mm. able to, like, if you spread them out, to be able to pound it up in there or hit a gash or two. I think the Chiefs with their, you know, the big play, um, you know, they kind of rely on Kelsey a lot down there or Mahomes making something happen. And so I don't think statistically they are as good in the red zone as they wanted to be this year. But they've had two weeks to prepare. So you know they're going to come up with some things in the red zone that are like, these are our go-to plays that we have to make sure we score on. And, you know, and but, they will, and then you know if there's no holding, right? Like there's just it's so many factors with football. It's mm. like penalties, turnovers. I mean, that's it's all there, you know. And you know, Giants fans don't know all too well that bo- about Boston Scott. So we'll see what kind of role he plays. <laughs> like, right. I feel like like seventy percent of that guy's touchdowns are against the Giants. <laughs> For it whatever fun, reason, yeah. they can't figure out a way to stop him. <laughs> but he but he's a talented back, and Philly's got a talented running game. Uh, Keith, want to talk more about the Super Bowl and football? Got to go to a quick break. Can you stay around? Yep. Excellent. More Shore Sports Talk sponsored by Shoreline Wealth Management right here on 94.3 The Point right after this. Whether you are in the early stages of investing, getting ready to retire, or planning your estate, you need a financial planner who will guide you on a clear path with honesty and transparency. Shoreline Wealth Management provides clarity through the complexity. Shoreline's system is straightforward. They will understand your financial circumstances, identify goals, analyze current plans, and customize a path to position you to reach your goals. Shoreline Wealth Management is your financial anchor. Visit ShorelineWealth.com for more information today. ShorelineWealth.com. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Welcome back to Shore Sports Talk, sponsored by Shoreline Wealth Management. I'm Vin Ebnew, right here on 94.3 The Point. My guest this morning is Keith Elias, former Lacey High School native, former player for the Giants and the Colts, and currently the Senior Director of NFL Player Engagement. We've been talking about the Super Bowl here this morning on Super Bowl Sunday, of course. Big matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles down in the desert in Arizona. Uh, Keith, what are what are some of the things that you've picked up along the week about the Chiefs and the Eagles, either through practice, through media sessions? Uh, where do you think that their heads are at heading into the game tonight? Yeah, I mean, both teams are going to be laser focused. Um, I don't think that the and like I said before about the the Eagles not being tested in the playoffs with a with a competitive game, but what I said is, but they have the veteran presence. They've got guys that have been in the Super Bowl before. Interestingly enough, if you look at the Super Bowl, the previous Super Bowl that the Eagles won, I think they may have only three to five players on that Super Bowl that are on this one. But they've brought in other folks, too, like Sue, who's been in the, in the big dance. So I think your veterans, they they they, they point the way. You know, Kelsey's going to have – yeah, Kelsey's on both sides. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, that's one story we talked about earlier. I like talking about the game and not the stories, but that is one story I just love. I love same. the fact that, like – you got two. I mean, first of all, to have two brothers playing the NFL, 
what? Yeah, what? it doesn't happen. Right? <laughs> no, and then to have two brothers play in the, a Super Bowl, they, which they both already have, and they both all have, both have Super Bowl rings, and now they're playing against each other. So at least uh, since they both have already Super Bowl rings, it takes the pressure off the parents in terms of like who <laughs> Right. Yeah, I, I think that's great. And, and Jason and, and Travis both seem closest brothers to the, you know, they want each other to do well. Yeah, obviously, they want their team to win. Uh, but no, I think that's a, that's a great storyline to follow. Yeah, first time ever the two brothers have played in the Super Bowl. Um, I think that's great. And they both are such energetic kind of guys that you, you feel like you want to root for each of them. That's and, right. Yeah, plenty yeah. of good guys on both sides, too. Like, both have, you know, kind of rootable teams, coaches, and, and players there. You're like, you know what? Either team would be, you know, would be fun to watch. Yeah. It's been an awesome, very entertaining year in the NFL and with lots of great young talent, uh, you know, in quarterback, but also, you know, right right across all the positions. And so I think uh, we we definitely had a treat this year, and I'm really looking forward to this last game because I think it's, it's going to be bananas. I don't expect a blowout either direction. I do mm. expect a, uh, a well-fought game. That's going to go into the last, not just fourth quarter, but the last two minutes. And again, who gets that extra possession, right? And we got some Jersey guys in there too. I, you mentioned Hassan Reddick before uh, from Philadelphia, and then uh, rookie Isaiah Pacheco, uh, running back for Kansas City, went the Jersey route from uh, Vineland to, to Rutgers, and a rookie running yeah. back who's making a big splash, you know, for a seventh rounder uh, at a Rutgers. Um, you know, Jersey guys who have pl- and those are just in the Super Bowl, but we got Kenny Pickett out of Ocean Township playing for the Steelers. Mike Kosicki for the Dolphins uh, at the moment, um, and then you know some other Jersey guys that have played in the NFL. Obviously, yourself included for when you played. But I mean, uh, little Jersey pride over the years too. I mean, what does it say about uh, some of the talent that's come out of New Jersey over the years? Yeah, I mean, it says a lot, right? I mean, and and I love the at least I can speak for myself when I played here. Um, the support from the fans is, is just tremendous. It's it's wonderful, and, and even folks even today that see you, man, I loved watching you play. So. <laughs> It's a really neat community to be a part of, the Jersey community, and then to play on. It's it's great. And I will say about Pacheco, in Super Bowls, too, also have a way of bringing out opportunities for players who aren't stars to have amazing games. We've seen that over and over and over from, you know, the, the David Tyree helm catch. Like, he's a household name, but before that, how many people you know, knew him, yeah. right? So there's always, like, there's always these, these guys that come in and steal the show. And so, and he, he has that ability to do that. So that'll be interesting to watch. You know, we see Jersey guys kind of go to colleges, you know, all over the country to, to play football and everything. And I think a lot of conversation gets started about some of the talent, you know, the, at the high school level, even college level down in, in the southern states, Florida, Texas, and everything else. But I think sometimes people overlook the, the kind of athletic talent that is all over New Jersey. I mean, you know, just Ocean and Monmouth County alone, uh, you know, what kind of talents come out of here over the years. Uh, what, what, what is it about, you think, New Jersey athletes that, you know, just bring out that competitiveness that can go on to play professional ball in, in football or, I guess, any other sport? Yeah, I think like there's no there's no secret here that uh, the New Jersey culture itself breeds a, a toughness, right, um, and and a competitiveness, whether it's for a parking spot. Or, <laughs> oh yeah, or for, 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 for a touchdown, right. <laughs> so I think that's this part of the culture here, and there's support, and there's love, and there's there's family, and all those things are, are helpful to for athletes to succeed. It's not just the 
the skill and the you know the the genetic talent on the field. It's really a support system off the field when you're talking about competing at the highest level. Keith, I, I want to ask uh, going to uh, what you're doing with the NFL now as senior director of um, NFL player engagement. Just to give people another idea of um, you know what you do and how, and how many different um, athletes within the NFL that you help. So, what is it? Um, that you do to help out these athletes on and off the field? Yeah, so like the NFL player engagement, we like serve, equip, and empower players before, during, and after their NFL experience. And uh, the way we do that, we kind of, in, in a couple of different buckets, you know, financial literacy, continuing education, and personal and professional development. So we create workshops for guys to be able to work on their off-the-field pursuits and at the same time want to build them up to be the the best athletes the best uh, husbands, the best sons, the best brothers that we can. And so whether it's a fatherhood roundtable that we do at a club or whether it's um, a broadcast workshop for guys that want to get into calling games after, we try to just connect with, with players in a way that helps them and supports them holistically wherever they are. They're transition in. So we, we um, curate and help execute at the club level all of the rookie programming, right? And there's there's 18 modules of, like that players have to go through from financial things to mental health things and how to cope with stress and how to how to create a budget and all these different things that we want to equip them to be as successful as possible on the field. And then also off the field, we talk about healthy relationships, unhealthy relationships, mm. um, you know, substance of abuse, like making sure they're educated on coping mechanisms and all the things that, again, help them become a better person as well. So it is a very fulfilling thing to be able to help uh, young men uh, become as successful uh, off the field as they were on the field, both in their private life and their professional life. What are, what are some of the biggest uh, topics, issues, concerns that, that have come up with some of the NFL players over the years working with you and your, your office, your team, to things that they would like to seek out help with or services with or just kind of start a conversation about? Yeah, no, I think I think there's there's three essential areas and and one is finances, right? Because um, wealth isn't what you make, it's what you keep. Mm. And so the, the wealthiest people in the world are the ones who have more left at the end of the month. And so it doesn't matter how many zeros you make, it has how much you spend. So that, that's number one. We really want to talk about how to create generational wealth and how to be responsible with with that. Then I think the second thing uh, is we, is relationships. And because there's so many people that will come at you when you're a professional athlete, uh, trying to discern what is what would be you know healthy people around you and and who the frenemies are, <laughs> as we say, right? Um, that's important. And then I think like thinking about that transition when you know when it's over, and what are the things that we can put in place to support guys in their next endeavor, whether it's uh, you know giving them opportunities to see how to run a franchise, how to be an entrepreneur. You know, what does it look like to have a nine to five uh, job after this? Or, you know, what about school? What do you want to, you know, pursue after? And so we want to make sure that guys are equipped in all areas and all facets of their life. Has the issue of concussions come up a bunch? I know it's certainly sh- there's been a spotlight shined on, on cases like with what happened to Tua Tagovailoa a couple times uh, this season. Is there, do you feel a, cons- a lot of concern among uh, players or players' unions about w- dealing with concussions or allowing for a healing process or the testing that's involved with it? Yeah. Well, I think as a player, I'll speak as a player here, um, as a former player, 
that not as an employee for a second, I'll, I'll speak as a, a former player, is that there's a concern for all injuries. Mm. Like as you see players who played the game before you, you don't want to be the guy that can't get out of bed, that can't. And so you really want to make sure that you do the things that you need to do in between your, your games and when it's over. Staying flexible, continue to weight train, continue to eat healthy, vital. It is vital that you stay ahead of the curve. I'll see a lot. Um, I've seen a lot of former players um, this week. We call them legends. are part of our legends community. Mm. And, and staying physically and mentally fit is really key. Uh, in terms of concussions, now I know the NFL is constantly looking at the data, the analytics, the protocols to improve, to enhance, to make sure that we do what's right for the players. I mean, like, look at the rules that have been changed, even from kickoffs. And, you know, and, and you'd say, hey, you know, what we've done with kickoffs may not be the best for the game. They're not nearly as exciting as they used to be, right? Kickoffs used to be one of the most exciting plays in, in, in all sports. Um, but they were also one of the most dangerous plays. And so we are on the side of the player health and safety. And then and then we, we move that accordingly and we find that balance and we innovate. So, yeah, I think we're always learning. Speaking, of, I guess, as hypothetically as possible, I had a conversation with uh, somebody I played football with in high school, Nico Ceridi, a couple weeks ago, battled 12 concussions just between high school and, and college. And he kind of pitched the I- possible idea of, you know, for extreme concussions, those really bad concussions, almost like what we saw with Tua, that really it's kind of like a six to 12 month recovery. Do you think that something like that could work in terms of the healing process? Like if you clearly have a lot of uh, significant trauma from that concussion that you're, you're just, you're done for the season and you need a few months to recover. Yeah. You know, I think that, uh, that's like, for me, I'm not, in our role, we don't, I'm not like a head trauma right, right, specialist yeah. or a neuroscientist in any stretch yeah. of the imagination. So I don't really know what would be best in that regard, but I do know that it's something that the NFL takes seriously and they're always meeting after the season to talk about uh, innovations in the rules, but also like there's a whole department, mm. a whole entire department in the NFL called player health and safety. Like that is dialed in, focused on that just it, player health yeah. and safety. So they would be better equipped to uh, to answer that question. Uh, and whether concussion or any other injury, I just feel like there's just kind of from hearing and seeing things that maybe the Pop Warner levels or other youth kind of sports leagues, that the numbers are a little bit down in the last few years compared to where they were when I was in high school or, or when you were in high school or, or youth sports. Uh, what, what would your message to parents be to, you know, who are hesitant about putting their kids in, in, to, in to play football or contact sports because – they're afraid of injuries, um, you know, down yeah. the road. I think if you look at, well, number one, it's a personal decision for every parent. So I yeah. have no parent advice on this. It's that's uh, up to up to them. Um, I do think that, you know, when you're talking specifically about concussions, that it's, if you look at the data, and I think so, don't you know, like do your own research. But I yeah. think there are sports like um, girls basketball and girls soccer that have more concussions than than football mm. just because of the athletes the size like when you're wearing a helmet as a little kid i don't think you can generate the you don't have the size and you can generate the speed to 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 do that but again i don't want to speak out of my league here um and it doesn't matter what the numbers are if you're if, if it happens to your son or right or daughter so i think every parent has to make their own decision i will say for me personally that um if i had a son who wanted to play football i would i would wholeheartedly uh endorse it for him 
if he wanted to because of the the benefits of uh, first of all getting out there and playing and but the teamwork the camaraderie the resilience that it develops um, I think football is just a beautiful game yeah it uh, it exercises the the brawn and and at the same time it is a thinking man's game mm. and then you have to be mentally sharp and physically on it uh, I think it's a really amazing sport that allows for kids of all sizes to play so like you know you got the bigger slower kid there's a spot for him and uh you know and you get the, the smaller fleet footed kid there's a spot for him yeah and so i think like that's it's amazing and as we branch out more into um flag football it'll even be even more diverse so Keith, closing up uh, on the Super Bowl here this morning, I want to ask you to, especially given your position with the league, to pick a, a winner here tonight. But uh, just to close up on the Super Bowl tonight, what are some things you're looking forward to to watch and play out between the Chiefs and Eagles? Well, I think this is easy for me because, remember, I was a giant. Once a giant, <laughs> always a giant. So there you go. I'm, I'm going to have to just by default, and I'm sure my friends on the Eagles, Paul Lancaster, who's just an incredible guy, um, who's the head of player engagement for the Eagles. I'm sure he'll forgive me when I say that. Like I have to pick the Chiefs just based <laughs> on the based on my on my Giants background alone. That's it. So um, but other than that, I told you what I think the, it's a it's a pick 'em. Uh, it's gonna come down to who gets more possessions. So it's it's gonna be to me the two factors will be turnovers and who puts the quarterback on the ground more. Excellent. Keith, appreciate you taking out the time uh, on the road there as we head towards Super Bowl and a big matchup between the Chiefs and Eagles and certainly your insight as to everything else going on with the NFL and uh, credit to everything you're doing as well. Thank you, man. All right. We'll, ta- we'll talk again soon. You got it. Thanks a lot, man. More short sports talk sponsored by Shoreline Wealth Management right after this on 94.3 The Point. Let's face it, investment concepts and financial planning can be very intimidating and confusing. Shoreline Wealth Management addresses that feeling head on. Their goal is to educate you while offering financial advice without buzzwords and jargon. Shoreline includes you in the process and makes you comfortable every step of the way on your path to financial freedom. Shoreline Wealth Management is your financial anchor. Visit ShorelineWealth.com for more information today. Shoreline Wealth management with offices in Manchester and Manahawkin. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.